0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Become Good Soil podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Snyder.
1: Today in the studio is Morgan Snyder and Alan Arnold, And Morgan, we're wanting to talk to people about kind of how to process (laughs) the new year. And why why are you laughing?
0: Well, you're wearing a Santa's hat (laughs) and a really ugly red sweater, and it's technically (laughs) December. That's why I'm laughing. Okay. Yep,
1: you're right. It's in full transparency. We are recording a January podcast in mid-December. And the reason we're doing that is because We value soul care, and and so we're going to finish our podcast for January in December so that we can basically have some time to rest, restore, celebrate the Christmas season. But how do you, in this beginning of the new year, pursue things that really matter more than the distractions of life? How do you pursue and go after what you most hunger for on a soul level?
0: It strikes me as very interesting to be engaging this topic before January because it parallels Jesus when it was the seventh day of feasting at a wedding when he then stood up and says, those that are thirsty, come to me and I will give you waters of life. I mean, just think about that. He didn't wait until they were all thirsty. It wasn't a desert experience. It was in the midst of everything that this world can offer as as a false satisfier, right? As, As some version to just satiate our thirst. And it's not that our appetite is too strong. It's that it's too weak right? And what better time for us to be engaging this early before just the natural cycle of repentance in January going, what have I done? (laughs) What have I done?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, in, in January is the perfect time to say, okay, all the things from the holidays, from Christmas, from the family gatherings, from the gifts that you received or the gifts that you gave, most of the time, those rarely satisfy us on a deep heart and soul level, and so January is the perfect time, really, to say, "What is it that I most hunger for?" And then, how do I pursue that well in the new year? Yes, um, because we've, we we kind of have the hangover from Christmas and the holidays, right? Mm-hmm. Like we owe more money on our credit cards mm-hmm. most of the time. We have stuff we don't need. Um, we blew our exercise program and probably ate a little bit too much. And, and so now when we see those lesser lovers kind of for what they are mm-hmm. to say, what is it this year, early in the year, that we can commit to and go, this is my true hunger. This is my true thirst. Yes. This is what I'm going to pursue this year.
0: And Alan, this is what I love about the fellowship of the heart that we're connecting with now all over the globe through the podcast. And frankly, this is what I love about doing life with you is we are a part of people. We are a part of a redemptive community that won't be satisfied. Mm. We want the more. I mean, Tozer talks about it in just a fantastic book. If you need a great book to start your year, A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God, he says, in this hour of all but universal darkness, one cheering gleam appears. Within the fold of the Christian community, there are to be found increasing numbers of persons whose spiritual lives are marked by a growing hunger after God himself. They're eager for spiritual realities and will not be put off with words, nor will they be content with correct interpretations, quote-unquote, of truth. They are a thirst for God, and they will not be satisfied till they have drunk deep at the fountain of living water." And friends, that's who we are. That's who you are. And that's why, you, that's why God has led you to this podcast. Just as a fresh reminder, as we turn towards a new year, we are people who will not be satisfied until we have drunk deep of a fountain of living water. And so, Alan, I, I just want to pitch the question back to you. When we talk about hungering and thirsting in these longings that, come up from deep within us, but so often are just satiated by superficiality, by busyness, by distraction. How is it that you kind of cultivate that hunger in a way that finds itself being more and more satisfied in God Himself? Yeah.
1: Well, it it's not easy. Um, even though I know I love God far more than any of those other distractions, I think the just the pull of this world is find a little bit of pleasure, find a little bit of relief, find something that can distract or that can make you feel uh, validated. And so I think the best way for me, Morgan, has been when I sense that I'm, at a, at a state of hunger where I'm in a low place or where I'm worn out, it's to recognize, okay, I either now have that fork in the road. I can either go to one of the distractors, one of the things that can numb the pain or, or the irritation, or I can make a shift in my gaze to God and say, Father, I I just need to walk with you in this this moment. And there's no quick solution often. There's no easy answer. And so it doesn't feel as good in the moment, in the first few minutes, first hour. But what that does is it cultivates relationship over just trying to get past or through something quickly. And so for me, it's been this, this recognition of, okay, in the hard moment, I'm going to choose relationship with the Father over something to just get me through the moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Morgan, when I do that, that makes all the difference in the world, not just in how I am, but how I am as a husband, how I am as a father, because the things that used to would take me out or would, or would make me kind of useless in the situation, now I can actually change the atmosphere in our home and in, in my work environment because I'm choosing in those moments of longing and loss and less than what I had hoped for, to dive deeper into sonship. Mm-hmm. And and so then I'm able for, from that point to actually bring a strength and to actually rise above. And, and so that's been huge for me in my journey is in that moment, there's always that decision point, always. You either reach for the other drink or you reach for the TV remote or you reach for, you know, some distraction, or you reach for a relationship with God. And that, to me, is the only thing that satisfies the hunger.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Alan, I, I hear in that a couple just important distinctions you're naming. As I listen to that, what I notice is you're talking about awareness. You're talking about soulful living to actually tune in to what's going on below the surface, right? And so right. I think it's just important to state that. We're talking about a slowing down enough to say, wow, what's what's with the reach? Mm-hmm. What's with the inability to say no to that thing or to that person? It's first awareness. Yes. And then the second piece that I'm really intrigued by what you're saying is, there is a, uh, a repentance. There is a dismantling. There's a death. There's a certain uh, volition that's saying, I am aware that I am giving my soul over to a less wild lover, right? Yes. And I have to name it and I have to own it. And then I have to repent to, to think about how I think and say, no i'm i'm going to cultivate a no to that thing so that i can cultivate a yes for what i really am longing for which is god
1: right right and and i stumbled into this about 8 years ago in a really <laughs> unique way that i it was it was so good for my soul but i didn't realize fully what i was doing in the moment and that was one night I was in our kitchen and I was washing dishes and I just felt the spirit prompt me to lift up this, this saying or this these to lift up these words to God where I said, God, I don't want to be satisfied by anything but you. And I spoke that, kept washing the dishes. And then Morgan, like in the days that followed, I forgot about saying that, and nothing that used to bring me pleasure brought me pleasure anymore. Mm. And so I'd work out, but it didn't really do much for me. And I'd read a book that I really loved that author's writings, and it didn't do much for me. And all these things in my life that used to bring pleasure didn't, and it, it felt flat. And finally, I said, God, what what is going on? And he said, well, son, remember, you said you wanted me to be the only thing that brought you pleasure in mm. your life. And and so all these lesser lovers, I've taken away the illusion that they bring for life. Yes, they're, they're, they're good things in a lot of cases, but they're not life. And so I'm showing you, I'm stripping away from those things, the illusion of life so that the only place you turn for life is me. Yes. And that was very disruptive, but it was the first time my eyes were open to, okay, as you said, there's a conscious decision of yes. turning. Yes,
0: yep. And Drawing either we do that,
1: it. right, or we keep running down rabbit trails that that ultimately aren't going to lead to life.
0: Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's fascinating, Alan, as you tell that story how much it lines up with these words from Tozer from Pursuit of God, where he says, this is not a mere metaphor, but an accurate analysis of our real spiritual trouble. There is within the human heart a sort of tough, fibrous root of fallen life, whose nature is to possess. It is always to possess. It covets things with a deep and a fierce passion. The pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their constant and universal use is very significant. They express the real nature of the false self better than a thousand volumes of theology could. But the truth is, as Tozer goes on to say, is deep in the heart of every person was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within him was God and without a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. And Alan, I so appreciate you're describing, you're describing very good things. Right. But once they begin to seep in and occupy this place that is worthy of nothing but God, as, as Tozer says, then they, in and of themselves, become a potential source of ruin to the soul. Well, yes, they become idols. Um, even good things
1: can be idols. And when they do it's really easy for the enemy to pull those away yeah. or to or to or to taunt you with those and fear becomes i don't it's like it, fear grabs a hold because all of a sudden you realize boy if i lost this you know you hear in popular songs and shows and books if you lose this you've lost it all yes well those are those uh, clearly those people's idols of you know, if anything ever happened to this in my life, or if I could no longer do this, life wouldn't be worth living. Mm -hmm. And I think what God invites us into is saying, "No, no, 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 it's always worth living. And you and I will do this together. And there may be loss and pain, but the goal of life isn't to acquire more or achieve more or obtain more. It's to do more with me, for us to do this together. And to do that, you've got to crave him more than everything. So that way, when you look at your battle scars of things you've given up, of things that have been costly, you see those scars and you go, it's okay because I wouldn't trade that. Because what that gave me, if I turn that hunger and that thirst to God, is knowing the Father, seeing the Father, being with the Father more than I was before. Mm -hmm. And it's worth it. And so, uh, you know, I think a question for the listener is, most listeners have been through many Januaries before. Mm -hmm. This is not the first January beginning of a year we've been through. So what can they do different this year to not end the year going, ah, yeah, it, I, I was hoping it would be different, but it's not. And Morgan, you, you've written a really popular and cool blog post a while back that I think goes into this topic. And so I'd love for you just to read that right now from that um, and just share that and then we can unpack it and talk about that.
0: Uh, Sure. That'd be great. Yeah. This uh, came up, boy, I think I want to say it was about six years ago where one of my good friends had some pretty uh, big complications in his digestive system that landed him in the ER. And what came from that is one of the things he needed to do is had a doctor's requirement to do this massive cleanse. It was kind of, I call it a vacation for the digestive system. And he had to fast from just about everything. And I was praying for him, it's a 21 day fast. And I was praying for him and interceding. And as I was praying for him, I felt like the spirit said, I want you to do it with him. Right away, I said, you're crazy. Like I'm I'm not interested, you know? And I said, you want me to do what? And I sensed the spirit inviting me in the spirit of what we're talking about today is a literal physical fast to access things in my masculine soul that was frankly inaccessible and he's the wild one so he led me on this fast it was a nothing fast no alcohol no caffeine no beer no sugar no beer no dairy <laughs> no beer no gluten i mean no beer like could you you get the picture are you saying there's no beer I'm saying he told me no beer, okay? Like, what kind of God do we walk with? He's wild. He is is merciless. Uh, So here, that that by way of introduction, here is uh, a reading of that post a while back called I Love Beer More Than Jesus. How deep do you want to go? These were the first words spoken by a Jedi Knight of a counselor to my close friend. As he embarked on a five-day counseling intensive, their meaning is simple and yet profound. And the answer is not assumed. The counselor needed to know because my buddy's response would be the primary factor in shaping what God could do in the next five days. In the same spirit, I didn't engage this intense 21-day fast to stay in the shallows. If the Spirit were asking me, how deep do you want to go, my response would be the whole way. I want more. Or better said, I need more. And it was in those deep places that I unearthed this truth in my heart. I love beer more than Jesus. I mean, it's humiliating to name it, but several weeks into the fast, it was time to be honest. And while I'm being honest, I'm finding out that there are a bunch of things I love more than Jesus. I love sugar. I love chicken wings. I love caffeine more than Jesus. But it goes deeper. I love relief more than Jesus. I love control and self-comfort more than Jesus. I love my reputation far more than I love Jesus. Now, before you laugh, I wonder, what would your list really look like? If you feel like you're coming up short, grab a copy of Gerald May's Addiction and Grace. In his opening chapter, May suggests that we are all addicts in every sense of the word. Yet through the course of his book, he explains that our addictions can be conduits of profound grace for in facing our addictions, we come face to face with our God and the depth of his love for us. But first we must face the reality of our addictiveness and how prone we are to attach, like literally to nail our desires to specific objects. We nail our desires for love and comfort and validation, and impact, and creativity, and power, and pleasure, and intimacy. We, we nail them to so many things, from our careers to our children, from our bank accounts to the Starbucks drive through And yet, it's right here that Jesus wants to love us. It's right here in our propensity to attach our desires to so many things other than our relationship with Him. That he loves us. Being honest with ourselves and with him about our attachments gives us an opportunity to take a most remarkable risk of faith, believing God is good and that God does love us unconditionally. Or as Brenning Manning discovered through a lifelong, never fully resolved addiction to alcohol, these words God loves us as we are, not. As we should be. Jesus, there are places in my heart that much prefer to entrust myself to the immediate comfort of beer more than I desire you. I bring the truth of who I am to the truth of who you are. I receive your love for me right here in this place. Facing our addictions is also a massive step to reclaiming our sincere desire for God. Our very tendency towards addiction reveals a spiritual hunger that is itself a treasure map leading straight to the Father's heart. What if we could relate to our fundamental restlessness, this nagging sense of unfulfillment and pain of being hungry and unsatisfied, with utter compassion, recognizing that these symptoms are signposts of a spiritual hunger. Which is a most precious gift from God. Friends, it is this very spiritual hunger that points us back to the Father. And about a week ago, I was walking, following my well worn path toward the fridge yet again. But this time, it was with a newfound pause Jesus, you are my beer. And the words came out before I could even edit them Jesus, You are my beer. I still can't even explain the theology behind it, but my soul testifies that it's true. Two weeks without beer, and I can still feel the restlessness after work and the discomfort of the inability to escape that restlessness. It turns out that this fast for me is much more about my addictions than my food allergies, about what I've attached my heart to other than God for my source of life. Now, it's become part of my daily prayer. Jesus, you are my beer. You're my freedom. You're my life. You are my healing and my breakthrough. More of you is available today. I want more, Jesus. I want more of you. And so the question I leave you with today is, what do you love more than Jesus? you might have to take a more direct route to get to the honest answer to this question. Where have you taken your desires for God and attached them to people, to places, to things, to outcomes, demanding that they come through for you in a way they never can? I love beer more than Jesus, but I love it a little less, and I love him a little more than I did just weeks ago. And so I'm not stopping here. There is too much at stake for me and for you. Alan, what strikes you as you hear those words afresh today?
1: Well, I'm slate as I'm listening to it because you ask it in such a powerful way. But what do I love? What do I turn to more than Jesus? And Morgan, man, every day, like, I think if people give a quick answer to that of, well, nothing, Mm -hmm. like I'm I'm, nothing ever, like it's always Jesus first. I think usually that's an unexamined life Mm. because it's just, it's just human nature as much as we long for that to find distractions. And we've seen enough men through boot camps to know most people have distractions that really derail their pure hunger for God, for Christ. And so, as you spoke, that it really brought me to what is it in my life every day, throughout the day, that I turn to? And, you know, sometimes it's where do I turn for comfort? And so, I think, you know, so listeners are tracking with us ask yourself these questions mm-hmm. where do where do you turn where do i turn for comfort where do we turn for control where do we turn for validation and where do we turn for pleasure like to me those are the four big categories pleasure validation control and comfort and it boy it's exposing it's really mm-hmm. exposing when you when we do that. And um, the other day, Kelly was talking about as we go into the new year, how to do this cleanse um, for health. And for thirty days, you know, what if we what if we went on this program where for thirty days, and she started naming the things we couldn't have anymore. Okay, <laughs> so you know, she's telling me this across the kitchen table. So, or but I'd love to do it together, Alan. Are you in with me and? I was like, I well, I think so. Tell me about it. Well, we can't do bread. Okay, that's fine. No bread. <laughs> well, we can't do sugar. Okay. I forget sugar. Well, we can't do dairy. Okay, that's fine. And then she would get into a few of the more. And now there's no coffee. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm out.
0: You had me a coffee.
1: And she's like, You're out, but it's just it's just coffee for 30 days. And I was out and it, it just was so revealing to me on man, what are those boundaries, those lines in the sand that that I have too much emotional or or biological stake in that I that I can't give up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: and those are the very type of things that I think distract us in our hunger and thirst for just Jesus, what are you saying? I'm all in. What are those things that pull us to look aside to some lesser distraction? And and in the new year, guys, we want to invite you to live that examined life. What are those things? And you may have to ask your spouse if you're married, you know, what are the things that I have a hard time letting go of? Or what are the things I turn to when I get stressed? Or when I feel less than, Mm -hmm. what are the things? And boy, those are the things to just write down. And when you feel that pull, you've already examined it. You already understand it. Now you've got a choice. Yes. And a lot of you who aren't married, I would just say, find a close friend or a parent or somebody who knows you and your story well and will be honest with you and ask them, what is it that distracts me? What is it that I turn to? Where is it that I'm at my most vulnerable? And and listen and use that as maybe the, the roadmap to what to let go of and what to be aware of when that strikes.
0: Yeah, and Alan, to just tie it into our first dialogue, because we are with a rare and remarkable fellowship, of men and women in this podcast. I'd love to just pause right now and do a little listening prayer and provide a context for each of us to listen a little bit. Uh, Can we do that? That'd be great, yeah. So Father, we want to turn our hearts back to you. Holy Spirit, we want to be led by you. Jesus, we want you alone to be our life. And we confess that deep in the heart, and soul of every one of us there's a shrine there's a place where none but you god is worthy to come and so holy spirit would you shine your light this is vulnerable and this is risky but we know that your goodness prevails and you always pursue us god with every problem you always have a provision so father Holy Spirit, Jesus, what do you want to show us? Where is it that we're turning? And what is it that we are attaching ourselves to? Can you give us a picture, the people, the things? Show us, God. Reveal. We ask for a word. Picture, a memory. And friends, some of you, it's worth pausing here to linger. And I'd encourage you to just hit pause and you stay in the silence. You stay here as long as you need to stay until you sense God coming to speak to the ache and longing and bring awareness. Father, I want to want you more. So I ask for your compassion to course through every cell of my body, your compassion for my propensity to attach my desire to so many objects in this life. Father, I receive your compassion right here, right now into this place. And now, Father, I confess my fear and my shame to you. I confess my fear of being hungry, my fear of being unfilled, my fear of being restless, my shame in the cycles for these places that I've been to before. I ask, Jesus, that your life would come the life of the Father through you, Jesus, would come into the fear and come into the shame. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would shine your light right here and right now. God, that you would continue to reveal both the particular addictions and attachments that you would like me to face in this season. You would expose the people and places and things that I've given my heart to, that I've given my heart over to in a desperate reaching for life and love. And now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking for your liberation. I'm asking that your power would fall on me and that you would cut the chains of bondage that ensnare my desire, that you would deliver my desire back into freedom, that you would cultivate the practice in the season ahead, the practice of disentangling my heart and soul from these attachments. I confess that I cannot replace something with nothing. And so in the ache and the longing, Father, I ask for you. I ask for you to come. Jesus, your life to come. And I ask Jesus through your life, I'm asking that you would detach my heart from these trappings and attach it to you more deeply than I have ever known. I believe that all of my heart needs to be loved and needs to love and needs to move closer to the source of love. And so I ask that you would meet me in this vulnerability and meet me in these risky places. Jesus, you love to make a way where there is no way. And Jesus, you say that he who will lose his life for my sake we'll find it. And we receive the promise of life. And we ask that you would shepherd us and guide us in this day, in this year, in this decade, that you would shepherd us into the more so that you alone can be seated in the place in our heart and soul that alone is reserved for you. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Become Good Soil podcast. For other podcasts, blogs, resources, and lots more, please join us at becomegoodsoil.com.